begin a brand new uh, four-week series this morning entitled The Butterfly Effect. And uh, our subtitle is simply this, A Small Change Makes a Big Difference. And if you want to go ahead and look at that first point on your outline this morning, uh, you can go ahead and fill that in. The butterfly effect simply means this, a small change makes a big difference. Now let me just tell you real quick how that little phrase and where it comes from. The word butterfly effect was actually termed and connected uh, to a meteorologist, a gentleman by the name, let me make sure I get his name right here, Edward Lorenz. Edward Lorenz, 1961, just a couple days ago, uh, 1961, Edward Lorenz was a meteorologist and he created what would be one of the first computer-run weather forecasting programs. And so he created a, a scientific algorithm them that would predict the weather. And so actually today, every time you look at your phone, every time you check out the weather app and you find out what the weather is going to be next week for your vacation or for your work or all those things, you are actually operating according to a modification of his algorithm that he created back in 1961. So in 1961, cutting edge meteorologist, Mr. Lorenz, uh, steps out into this program that begins to predict the weather and the conditions of weather for the future. Uh, as he begins to release some information, uh, all of a sudden it kind of creates some controversy uh, in the community. And people begin to challenge, is this really true? Can a computer program actually predict weather conditions uh, on, the, on the other side of the world or a week later or a month later? Uh, but what's interesting is as uh, Mr. Lorenz was kind of diving into this thing and kind of going public with what he was learning, uh, he was one day getting ready to go to a meeting with a bunch of other meteorologists, and so he was going to print out a a weather forecast and so in his kind of his hurry he goes to his computer and types in this number and I just wrote the number down normally he would type in point five zero six one two seven uh, that means it's to the hundredth uh, thousandth degree I believe if that's correct for all, all the mathematicians I got a couple nods if that's not right then I'm sorry I'm not a mathematician uh, but instead of typing in point five zero six one two seven he just typed in point five Zero six. So he just shortened it down just a couple decimals. He punched in the information, printed out the forecast, and he started out the door and he looked at it and he realized something was, was dramatically wrong. He recognized that, uh, that the forecast that he had just looked at five minutes ago and the forecast that he had just printed did not coincide together. As a matter of fact, there was a radical difference in what this weather prediction said and this weather prediction said. And so he immediately thought, well, the computer probably messed up, something wrong with the program. He went back and realized there was really nothing wrong with the program or the computer, it was just the fact that he had changed that small little bit of information input. And that little bit going from the hundred thousandths degree to the thousandths degree all of a sudden made this radical change in weather forecasts. So that radically, and, and it, I mean, it, it really excited him and he began to share this information with the weather community. Well, another meteorologist who was well-known around the world uh, began to pick up on what Mr. Lorenz was sharing and communicating, and he was a great critic of Mr. Lorenz. And he uh, set out kind of just to disprove what this man was saying. In one of his speeches, he actually makes this statement. He said, if Mr. Lorenz's uh, computer program is correct, then a butterfly flapping his wings in America 
can alter the weather pattern in Australia on the other side of the world. And he made that statement as an act of mockery to ridicule Mr. Lorenz. Well, that little act of mockery actually became Mr. Lorenz's claim to fame, and he actually became known as the man that coined and created what is called the butterfly effect, that literally, true to what the man said, a butterfly in America can flap its wings and change the weather in Australia because a small change really does make a big difference. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about that concept being radically applied to our lives. So let's look at that next point on your outline. And I want to ask you two questions this morning. Number one, if you could change your life, would you? If you could change your life, would you? Is there anything in your life that today, right, we can't go back to yesterday, but today, is there anything in your life that you would like to change? The second part of that question is, is there, is, 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 simple, is there anything in your life that you would like to change? So if you could change your life, would you? And I believe all of us could probably say yes. There's probably some things in our life that we would like to change. And then the second part of that question, I want to just ask you to go ahead and kind of picture some things. What are some things right now in your life that you would like to change? Maybe it's financially. Maybe there's a financial situation you'd like to change. Maybe it's a career path. Maybe you're working a job you really don't want to be working and you don't want to stay in that place that you're in right now. Maybe it's a ministry change. Maybe it's a relational change. Maybe there are some relationships that have crumbled along the way. Maybe your marriage is not what it should be. And you're like, man, I'd really like to see our marriage become stronger. I'd like to see my relationship with my kids get better. Maybe it's a spiritual thing. Maybe spiritually you recognize I'm really not where I should be. And I'd like to change some things spiritually in my life. I believe all of us could probably honestly say there are some things that we want to change. And I want to just challenge you, just kind of get some pictures in your mind this morning uh, because hopefully we're going to give you some very practical, applicable stuff today that's going to help you implement real change in your life. So now let me give you some good news. Look at this next point. How many know our world is full of bad news, right? If you watch the news in front of every news channel, you could just put the three-letter word B-A-D, bad, right? What news channel are you watching? Well, I'm watching the bad news channel. Well, what channel is the bad news channel? It's about every channel, right? There's lots of bad news out there, right? War, terrorism, chaos, confusion. We've got strife. We've got divorce. We've got bankruptcy. We've got depression. We've got suicide. We've got crime. We've got all these things that are happening in our world today, and the world is full of bad news. How many are glad the church is a good news place? Amen. Aren't you glad there's somewhere you can come every week and not be judged and not be condemned and not be ridiculed, but you can actually come somewhere every week and you can find some good news that will radically forever change your life for the good and for the glory of God, and that's that's what the gospel is. I mean, the gospel is good news. Literally, that's what it means. The gospel is good news. So here's the good news. You can change. You can change. Every person in this room, if you thought about an area in your life you'd like to change, the good news is you can change. You can change. You can change relationships. You can change financial. You can change uh, occupational. You can change every area and every arena of your life. And if you look at the rest of that statement, you'll see why. You can change because God, y'all say God, because God gives every human being the power of choice. God gives every human being the power of choice. You get to choose the life that you want to live. Right? You can choose. You can change because you can choose. You can change because you can choose. You can choose how you're going to live your life. You can choose what you're going to do. Yes, no, bad, good. You can choose. You have the power of choice. God has given every human being the power of choice. 
And because you have the power to choose, created in the image and likeness of God, we're not robots, right? Right? We know we're not robots because there have been times in your life God told you to do something and you didn't do it. Anybody ever had God tell you to do something and you didn't do it? Right? How many of you know that means you're not a robot? You actually have a will and you have a choice. And it is that power to choose that gives you the power to change. You can change. That's good news. You can change. You actually, listen to that last statement, you actually get to choose the life that you live. You get to choose the life that you live. Now, you might be thinking, well, Pastor Keith, you know, uh, I would love to choose the life that I'm living, but other people have made choices, and their choices have impacted and altered my life. And I totally agree. You're exactly right. Other people's choices do impact, and they do alter our lives. But I want you to hear this. That's not all the truth. That is true, but it's not all the truth. Here's the whole truth. Other people's choices do impact and alter your life, but other people's choices do not control the outcome of your life. Your choice does. Your choice determines the life you live, right? You can't control what other people do, and other people's decisions and choices impact us. Sometimes they bring us great joy. Sometimes they bring us great sorrow, right? Other people's choices can impact us for good and impact us for evil. We can experience wonderful things, and we can experience horrible things because of the choices and decisions that other people make. And their decisions do impact us, but their decisions do not control us. You are in charge of the life that you live. And even God doesn't control your life unless you let him. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Let's read from the Bible today. How about that? It's a good place to go. Because if what I said is true, that you can change, and you can change because God's given you the power to choose, and you get to choose the life that you live, then all of a sudden that is an empowering, very freeing statement. It frees me because I am no longer a victim. I'm not a victim of my circumstances. I'm not a victim of your choices and your decisions. I am not a victim. I am a victor. I am an overcomer, right? I have the power to change because I have the power to choose what I am going to do in spite of every circumstance and every situation. No matter what something, someone does to me, I still get to choose how I'm going to respond to what has happened. And it is my choice, not their choice, that determines the condition and the quality of my life. Let me say that again. It is my choice, not their choice, that determines the condition and the quality of my life. If that's true, and Deuteronomy 30 tells us it is, let's look at it together, 19 and 20. God is speaking to the nation of Israel. He says, today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Now that's a very powerful statement. God says, I give you the choice between life and death, blessing and cursing. And then God says, and I call heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. So heaven and earth are witnesses to the choice that we make. What does that mean? Let me give you a, a great understanding here. Let me give you a revelation this morning. When God calls heaven and earth to witness, heavens represent the spiritual, earth represents the natural. This is what God is saying to the nation of Israel. The spiritual realm and the natural realm is watching the choices you make, and the spiritual realm and the natural realm will both honor your choice. God will not supersede your will. People are in hell today against the will of God. 
People are in addiction today against the will of God. People are going through divorce today against the will of God. People are suffering sickness and disease today against the will of God. God will not supersede your will. Heaven and earth bear witness to the choice that you make because the spiritual realm and the natural realm will honor your choices. And again, that's a sobering thought. It will honor our choices, but if we choose life, guess what? All of heaven's backing us up. All of earth is backing us up. You can get spiritual power and natural law working on your favor if you choose rightly. You can get everything in heaven and everything on earth supporting you in the decisions and choices you make if you choose rightly. Because heaven and earth bear witness to the choice that you make. And heaven and earth, spiritual and natural, will honor your choice. God will not violate your will. How many know the law of gravity doesn't care what color your skin is? Right? Everybody that jumps out of a plane goes down. Rich or poor, black or white. Right? You make the choice to jump out of the plane, everybody gets to go down. Everybody. Why? Because heaven and earth honor the choices you make. Honor the choices you make. And then look at the next part of that verse, verse 19. Oh, that you would choose life. I love God because God asks you a question and then he tells you the answer. Isn't that good? That's a good teacher, right? He asks you the question, choose life, choose death, choose blessing, choose curses. Now let me tell you the answer God says. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Look at verse 20. Because verse 20 kind of pulls this thing all together. Look what he says. And you can make this choice. You can choose life and you can choose blessing by making one choice. By loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. For this is the key to your life. The key to your life, the key to my life, the key to life and blessing is God. When I choose to love him and I choose to obey him and I choose to commit myself to him, every time I choose to do those things, you know what I'm doing? I'm choosing life and blessing. I'm choosing the life of God and the blessing of God. When I choose to love him, I'm choosing life. When I choose to obey him, I'm choosing life. When I choose to commit myself to him, I'm choosing life. When I choose not to do those things, I choose death and I choose the curse instead of the blessing. Look what God said. This is the key to your life. Choosing God is the key to life. Choosing God. God's will, God's way, God's plan is your best life. Mine too. And God says, if you choose me, my will, my word, my way, you will choose life every time. Right? If you'll choose me, you'll choose life, and you'll choose the blessing. And if you choose rightly, you can change your life for good. Amen? So let's look at four things real quick. I want you to see this. Four areas of change that we're going to talk about over the next four weeks. Number one is our thoughts. We have to change our thoughts. Number two is our words. Number three is our actions. And number four is our attitudes. Our thoughts, our words, our actions, and our attitudes determine our lives, right? Probably all of us in this room here today could kind of give an internal nod. That's exactly right. My thoughts, my words, my actions, and my attitude very much determine the condition and the quality of the life that I live. When my thoughts go south, when my words go south, when my actions go south, when my attitude goes south, my life goes south. 
truly not rocket science in here today, right? I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but hopefully I'm reminding you of some very simple truths that you do know that go really to the depth of our core, right? Just four little simple areas, four simple areas of your life, your thought life, your word life, your actions, and your attitudes. Those four areas of your life really do determine the quality and the condition of your life. Now look at that last statement. So a small change in any of these areas can make a really big difference. A small change today can make a big difference tomorrow. A small change this week can make a big difference this month. A small change this month can make a big difference next year. A small change, the butterfly effect, really does make a big difference in our lives. So today we're going to talk about our thought life. So let's talk about that, our thought life. right? Today we're going to talk about what does it mean to change the way I think, right? Because if I want to have a small change that makes a big difference, I've got to begin in my mind. This is really foundational truth. I've got to change the way I think. Now, we understand if you're a Bible scholar, you know the word uh, repent literally means to change the way you think, right? We talked about that on Easter. We've got to change the way we think. We have to return. We have to repent, return to the high place where we begin to think like God thinks, See, that's the goal. The goal is that you would think like God thinks, that you would think about yourself, that you would think about others, and you would think even about God, what God says about himself, about you, and about other people. Really, that's the three key areas that your thought life will determine. What you think about yourself, what you think about other people, and what you think about God, those are the highest three forms of thought that you will think. And if you can get your thoughts about yourself and your thoughts about others and your thoughts about God in line with God, then I want to just tell you something. Good things begin to happen. Those small changes will begin to make big differences in how we live and how we experience our lives. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't act like the world, don't think like the world, don't look like the world. But let God transform you. Now look at that little three-letter word there, let God. That's a permissive word. I've got to give God permission. I've got to choose God, right? Let God transform you. The word transform is metamorphose, where we get our word metamorphosis. It's the word of a caterpillar to the butterfly. Let God transform you into, look what it says, a new person. How? By changing the way you think. By changing the way you think. Right? We have to let God change the way we think. How are we going to do that? We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But I want you to understand the significance of this. It is impossible for you to become the new person God wants you to be unless you're willing to let God change the way you think. You got to change the way you think. Now we in America, we specialize in behavior modification. Right? We specialize in that. We specialize in behavior modification. We just want to try to place restrictions on people so we can control their behavior and ultimately control the outcome. But let me give you a revelation this morning. Unless you change the way you think, your thoughts will always sabotage your behavior. Unless you change the way you think, your thoughts will always sabotage your behavior. 
right? You ever been under restriction, right? I mean, if you were a kid growing up, maybe you got grounded, and all of a sudden everybody took all your rights and privileges away from you, and you didn't have anything to get in trouble. And you know what? For three months, you weren't in trouble at all. Why? Because you didn't have a choice to get in trouble. You were grounded. But guess what? If you don't change the way you think, that behavior modification for those three months won't last. Probably won't last today. You'll probably get ungrounded on day one, right? And you'll step outside of that ungroundedness with your newfound liberties, the liberty to choose, and all of a sudden you'll choose the wrong thing. Why? Because the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. See, we have a wrong way of thinking. We, we try to change our behavior to change our lives. But until you change your thought, you'll never change your behavior. you got to change the way you think. God transforms us into a new person not by providing external restraints, but by changing the way we think. Right? It's not external restraints. It's changing the way we think. Now, God will use external restraints to put us in a position so we can change the way we think. But guess what? External restraints that don't produce a change of thinking won't produce lasting fruit. That's why most of the people that are in jail are repeat offenders. Well, when they were in jail, they were the model citizen, right? Because they didn't have a choice. But when you get out of jail, all of a sudden now you have a choice. And if you didn't change the way you think, if you didn't take advantage of the natural restriction to allow spiritual transformation, then all you're going to do is do your time and get out. And you're going to be the same person you were when you went in. Except maybe a little worse. Because now you're going to be more hungry for the wrong things than you were 12 months ago. So we got to understand that in order to let God, the scripture says God transforms us into a new person, not by behavior modification, but by changing the way we think. And we have to be willing to let God change the way we think. We have to choose God. We have to be willing to work with him in this process of transformation so that we can change the way we think. Most of us are thinking wrong because when you listen to people, you ever, you ever invited somebody to church and you say, hey, you want to come to church tomorrow? And they say, hey, I'm going to try. You know what I'm going to try to come to church means? It means, no, I'm not coming. How many of us have ever tried to lose weight and we've tried to eat right and we've, we've tried to do this and we've tried to get out of debt, right? Well, I'm going to try to get out of debt. Well, you're not getting out of debt. Last week you got a new credit card. I'm going to try to get out of debt. I'm going to try to lose weight. I'm going to try to get in shape. I'm going to try to, I'm going to, try to make my marriage stronger. See, I'm going to try. And what that literally means is I'm going to exert energy. And so I'm going to try to have some behavior modification so I can produce the life that I want. But until you change the way you think, all that external impressions and resistance is not going to change you. God changes us from the inside out. It is an inside job. Your transformation is an inside job. And Romans 12 is, two, is true. God transforms us into new people, not by placing us under external restraint, but by renewing our minds with the Word of God. Only when we let God change the way we think by our choices are we able to become the person that God has called us to be. So I want you to look at this next statement. So when you think about your thought life, and hopefully a while ago, maybe you thought about some areas in your life 
that you wanted to change, right? I asked you the question, if you could change your life, would you? Is there anything in your life that you would like to change? And hopefully you got an image, maybe one, two, maybe three things. Here's some things I would like to change. Well, here's the revelation. You have to change the way you think about the things you want to change. You have to change the way you think about the things you want to change. So what do you want to change? You want to change your marriage? Well, you got to change the way you think about your marriage. You want to change your career? You got to change the way you think about your career. You want to change your ministry? You got to change the way you think about your ministry. You want to change your personal life? You got to change the way you think about your personal life. You, you want to change finances? You got to change the way you think about money. See, the reality is, is most of us don't have money problems or financial problems or job problems. Most of us have thinking problems. We're thinking wrong. Right? And so, in order to change, right, you have to change the way you think about the things you want to change. So that begins. Let me give you some homework right here. I'm going to load you down with homework today, okay? Y'all good with that? Y'all didn't know you were coming to church to get homework. I'm going to give you some homework today because I love you. I want to help you, right? I can't help you in a 30-minute sermon. I can help you if I go home with you this week. Y'all want to let me go home with you? I'm going to give you some homework. I'm going to go home with you, okay? Here's your homework. Number one, you need to clearly identify the things you want to change. That means you got to write it down on a piece of paper. Here's what I want to change. I want to change my financial situation. I want to change my job. I want to change spiritually my relationship with God. I know I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I want to be more on purpose for God. I want to change the way I parent my children. I want to change the way I live my life. I want to change so there's some addictions and some strongholds in my life I want to be free of. So you got to write them down. you got to write down. you got to clearly identify some things. I'm going to give you four things real quick, four areas. Flip your little outline paper over to the back if you're taking notes. Four areas. I'm going to give this to you real quick. Four areas that you need to write down, and these are four things. I'm going to give you homework, I said. Here they are, four things. Number one, personally. I want you to write down this word, personal. Second one is spiritual. Just write down underneath it, personal, spiritual. Under that, I want you to write the word relational. And under that, I want you to write the word Financial. And I want you to identify a personal area of change, a spiritual area of change, a relational area of change, and a financial area of change. Those four things. That means you've got to write it down. Here is something personally I want to change, right? I want to lose weight. I want to, I want to exercise. I want to, I want to, whatever it is you want to do, you want to change. Spiritually. I want to be more bold in my faith. I want, to, I want to see people come to Christ. I want to start discipling people. I want to lead a Bible study. Whatever it is that you want to do spiritually, that you want to see change. Relationally, maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a parent-child relationship. Maybe it's friendship. Maybe it's relationship with coworkers on your job. Financially, maybe it's a, it's a, it's a career change. Maybe it's just a financial change. I, I, I'm tired of living paycheck to paycheck. I want to, I want to break out of that. I want to step into a new realm. So four areas there. So I want you to identify those, okay? Because you have to think about the things you want to think. You have to think about the things that you want to change. So in order to change those things, you've got to change how you think about those things. So four things. Now let's go back to your outline. Flip your page back over. Y'all are doing good today. Y'all all right? Everybody sticking with me this morning? All right, so let's answer the question, how do you change your thinking? Look at that next point. How do you change your thinking? You have to renew your mind with the Word of God. How do you change your thinking? You have to renew your mind with the Word of God because God's Word reveals God's thoughts. New knowledge creates new thought. You've got to renew your mind with this thing right here, the B-I-B-L-E. You can't escape it. The Bible. 
You have to renew your mind with the Word of God. Why? Because God's Word is God's thoughts. Isaiah 55, we're going to jump down to that. We'll come back to those other scriptures. Isaiah 55 says this. Look what it says. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. He's got to forsake his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Now look at verse 8 and 9. God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, if you stop right there, you might say, well, we're in trouble, right? If I'm supposed to think God's thoughts, God's ways are not my ways, God's thoughts are not my thoughts, and his thoughts are high under the heaven above me, so I can't think God's thoughts. Well, I'm glad God didn't stop there. Look at the next verse, verse 10. For as the rain comes down, the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God says, my thoughts are above your thoughts, so I'm going to send my word. Like the rain and like the snow, God says, I'm going to send my word, and my word coming out of my mouth into your life is going to help you think my thoughts because God's word reveals God's thoughts. God's word reveals God's thoughts. You don't know what God thinks about you? Read the Bible. Right? Most of you have a very poor self-image of yourself. Or else you have a perverted image of yourself, and you think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Right? There's both extremes. Right? There's a false humility and then there's a pride. And somewhere in the middle is God's thoughts for you. You are valuable. You are precious. You are loved. Right? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're not junk. You're not trash. You're not a throwaway. You are somebody significant in the heart and the mind of God. And you got to know who God, what God thinks about you. you got to know what God thinks about other people. Guess what? God thinks about other people the same thing he thinks about you. And then you know, got to know what God thinks about himself. God actually tells you about himself in here. He's holy, he's righteous, he's just, he's good. He's for you and he's not against you. Right? He's for you and he's not against you. He wants to help you, bless you, redeem you, rescue you, and deliver you. He wants to propel you forward in the purpose and the hope that he has planned and destined for your life. But you have to change the way you think. How do you do that? You've got to renew your mind. There has to be a consistent intake of the word in order to renew your mind, right? We've all seen the illustration. You take a glass, fill it with Coke, and then you start pouring a little water into it, right? You pour a little water into it, nothing really happens. Pour a little water into it, nothing really happens. It dilutes the Coke. But if you'll just sit there and pour that water in, you know what will happen? It'll finally dispel the Coke and leave you a fresh, clean glass of water. That is the picture of what has to happen with the Word of God in your life. Why do you have to have a daily intake of truth? You have to have a daily intake of truth because every day you have a daily intake of lies. Every day the world is telling you the wrong things. Every day people are telling you the wrong things. Every day you're being criticized, you're being judged, you're being condemned, you're being told how you're not good enough, smart enough, well enough, this enough, that enough, whatever it is, you don't have it. Right? But when you get in the Word of God, you begin to find out you are able to do everything that God said you can do because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if you'll let God begin to change the way you think about yourself, about others, and about him, all of a sudden your life will change. Now, we said the butterfly effect, a small change makes a big difference. Okay, flip your paper back over. Man, we came to school 101 today. Here we go. 
Personal, I want you to do this. So you're going to go home personal. You're going to write down one area of change you want to change personally in your life. And then you're going to find a scripture. You're going to find a B-I-B-L-E, a Bible verse that lines up with what God says about that personal change in your life. Well, Pastor Keith, I, I want to lose weight and get in shape. Well, wonderful. The Bible says your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. It ought to be holy. God's in favor of you being in health. Right? There's some changes I want to make. Find out what God says and then write that scripture down. Number two, it is your spiritual life. What does God say spiritually about you? Right? What are those changes you want to make spiritually? Find out what the Bible says about it and write down that verse. Relational. What are those relational changes you want to make? Write down what the Bible says about it and write down that verse. Financial. Find out what the Bible says about it. And write it down. So you're going to identify four areas of change, and then you're going to identify four promises from the Word of God. Once you do that, this is what I want you to do. Here's your homework. I want you to begin to read and confess those four scriptures over your life every day for a month. Read those four verses out loud every day over your life for a month. Well, Pastor Keith, how's that going to help? Just try me in this. And if the end of a month you say, Pastor Keith, you're crazy, that didn't work, then I'll say, all right, I'm crazy, that didn't work. But I'm just going to tell you, I'm not crazy because it will work. Right? A small change makes a big difference. What if you just, over the next month, identified four areas and found four promises from the Word of God and you begin to think four new thoughts? What if you begin to think four new thoughts? A personal thought, a spiritual thought, a relational thought, a financial thought. And what if you maintain those, thought, those thoughts for the next 30 days? I want to tell you what will happen. A small change will make a big difference. And you will begin to manifest the thoughts that you think. And you will become the person that you think you are. Because that's really where you live. You live your physical life as an expression of your internal thoughts. And if you want to change what's happening out here, you have to change what's happening up here let's bow our heads together every head bowed every eye closed for just a minute maybe you're here today and you say Pastor Keith man this is all kind of crazy and new I don't even know anything about what you've been talking about today I don't even own the Bible never read the Bible and I just came to church today because I'm trying to check out Jesus and Christianity and trying to figure all this stuff out well I believe this with all my heart I believe that God loves you you're not here by accident and I believe you walk through the doors of this building today because God in heaven cares about your soul and I want to give you a new thought. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right? Life without God ends in death. Life with God brings life and peace in eternity. Today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today you can be what the Bible calls saved. You can be forgiven of the sins of your past. You can step into a brand new life with Christ. And today you can begin a journey. Not a one-day experience, but a daily walk with God that will last forever. So if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Keith, today I want to be saved. I want to repent. I want to change my mind. I've been living my life my own way, trying to somehow earn my way to heaven, thinking that I could somehow be good enough to get there. But I realized this morning, if I've ever committed one sin, then that one sin has destined me to hell. But Jesus' gift paid the price for me to be saved. And today I want to accept that gift. I want to repent. I've been thinking wrong. I've been trying to earn something that Jesus paid for and offers me freely. And 
today, I want to receive that gift. If that's you, I want you just to stand to your feet all over this building. Just a simple act of faith, a bold act of faith, but I want you to stand up. Why do I want you to stand? Because it requires faith. And faith without works is dead. So if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Keith, today I want to be saved. I want you just to stand all over this building. I want to pray to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to begin a brand new journey of life today. I've been thinking wrong. I want to change the way I think. I want to let God be God of my life. If that's you, we're about to close in prayer, but this is your moment. Don't miss this moment. Just stand to your feet all over this building. Pastor Keith, what if somebody sees me? That would be the best thing that ever happened to you in your whole life. (laughs) Wouldn't it be great that somebody saw you stand up for God? Wouldn't it be great that somebody saw you stand up and say, hey, I want to be a follower of Jesus? That would be the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. So if you want to stand right now, I'm about to pray. This is your moment. Stand right now. Father, I thank you today. I thank you today for the grace and the goodness of the Lord. I thank you today that you love us and you said that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. So Lord, today we just ask you to forgive us of our sins. Come into our heart and our life and be our Lord and our Savior. And we receive you this morning. We receive you this morning as our Lord and Savior. And Lord, I pray that today that we would choose life and not death. That we would choose to let you help us become the person you've called us to be by changing the way we think. And we ask it all this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you today. We love you. Come on, let's give the Lord a round of applause. Amen. You are dismissed. If you're visiting with us, we'd love to meet you back in the first time guest area. Have a great day in the Lord. Amen.